Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. All right, how's everybody doing out there? This is Nick with Bad Elf. We're here for another Geoholics podcast tech minute. Uh, if you're like me, you've probably been watching the news, uh, watching everything uh, having to do with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, if you're a Geoholics guy like me, you're also probably aware that many conferences uh, geomatics, GIS, and surveying conferences have been uh, either canceled or gone virtual uh, since the spread of the virus. Uh, the ESRI Users Conference that draws nearly 20 people a year to San Diego, uh, for an example, has been turned into an all-online uh, conference. Same with the NALS, our APLS Tri-State Conference, also moved to a virtual Environment. So, if you are still interested in going, I believe that these conferences still have a ton of value. You may just have to try it out in a new format. Here's some stats to leave you with. Since the pandemic, Zoom, the software used to WebEx with people, has grown exponentially. There is over 200 million users as of the second of this month, over 90,000 schools the second this month. And number of Zoom customers, more than 10 employees, 81, over 81,000. A ton of people collaborating online these days with COVID-19. All right, everybody, that's my podcast tech minute for the day. Just keep in mind, if you had a conference scheduled in 2020, you may need to be doing it online. Stay safe out there. Thanks, everybody. Let's do this. Let's do this. Thank you for All listening right. to episode 33 of The Geoholics, a podcast produced by and for geomatics professionals, also known as the Scotty Pippen episode. Oh, man, that is appropriate with this uh, Michael Jordan documentary coming out right now that is the only sports thing in the world for us. However, you know I always have to be the contrarian. Yeah. Larry Bird. Good one. Uh, Patrick Ewing. Good one. Piazza as a member or uh, honorable mention with the Padres. Oh, that's a reach, but that's and, good. And then uh, to go in a different sport altogether, Patrick Waugh. A lot of good 33s. Man, Waugh was like the goat of our my childhood, at least. Yep, no, well, that, that, those are all good, no doubt. Scotty Pippen, just like you mentioned. Uh, a little shout out to The Last Dance. I watched the first episode. I haven't watched the second one yet, but I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be an awesome series. First episode itself just brought back a lot of memories. I remember those championship games, and uh, it was pretty darn exciting to uh, be from Chicago at that point in time. So uh, just a reminder, for every 20 bucks you donate to the Geoholics GoFundMe account, you'll receive a couple Geoholics wristbands and a T-shirt, along with having your name mentioned on the next podcast. That opening number, of course, is from our good friends, Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers. The name of the song is Crumb. They are Carol, Andy, Ben, and Will. And I got to be honest, I miss those guys. Man, oh, man. You know, not being able to go out and see, you know, the, 
local bands and stuff like that. Jeez, it's, it's kind of sad. But they'll be back for sure. They are some of the best American thrash pop you're ever going to hear. And their latest album is titled Bliss. And all their music is available on Spotify and Apple Music. And, of course, their videos on YouTube. But uh, like I said, I miss these guys. So do what you can to support your uh, local music scene. Shout out to our friends of the program. Thanks to these folks for believing in us and for your continued support. First is Bad Elf GPS. Check them out at bad-elf.com forward slash flex to check out the new Flex GNSS receiver. What about our boys, Land Surveyors United? With uh, their website, landsurveyorsunited.com. Go check them out. Uh, you can get all information about COVID-19 and the geoholics. Absolutely. Landsurveyorsunited.com. What an amazing website. Also, Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I, dot arrow. Check them out for one-stop UAV shopping. And Parkland College up in Champaign, Illinois. I feel like we're uh, homers for Illinois, even though we're in Arizona. All this talk about the Bulls and, yeah, no, Champaign, Illinois, parkland.edu slash survey. Corey Allred has got the program there. Check it out. You got it rolling for sure. And Advanced Geodetic Surveys, better known as AGS. Check them out at agsgps.com for all your equipment needs. This, of course, is another COVID-19 social or physical distancing episode. We are fully remote, so have patience with us. Hopefully the audio quality is uh, sufficient. I am in Studio Double D, and the rest of the fellows are, of course, in their individual home offices. So um, let's catch up with them a little bit. Jake, producer Jake, what's going on, man? How's it going, guys? I'm doing good. Um, just been home here, just trying to take advantage of that, staying productive. Um, doing a lot of spring cleaning. I actually threw away a ton of stuff this weekend. Um, and I, I love that. Like, I feel like I get more satis satisfaction from throwing things away than like I do like with getting new things. So it's, it's nice to, to go upstairs and have everything be clean and just kind of taking advantage of this. Um, got a big weekend coming up this weekend. Uh, big 22 on Friday, turn 22, and then we've got the draft. So, so something finally, I feel like something good to look forward to. So I'm interested to see how the draft goes on with everyone being all the GMs and everything like will be on their computers, like in their living rooms. Um, so that'll be really interesting. I'm really to see like really interested to see the logistics of that um, and just kind of get that sports itch itch. We haven't had anything in forever. So it's going to be nice to, uh, to, to talk about sports for a little, at least one weekend. Who's on uh, KC's radar? I don't know, actually. Not a quarterback, that's for sure. It's nice not having to worry about that. <laughs> Probably some offensive lineman, I'd have to assume, for the first first pick. I'm not even sure what pick. I, I know we have at the last and the first, or we might have traded that away. I'm not sure. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. I heard they might be looking for a receiver. Really? Yep. Maybe Ruggs, as a matter of fact. That would just be insane. Oh, and Hill. Could you imagine? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But yeah, pretty good stuff. Good stuff to look forward to. So I'm excited about that. Are you gonna have right. a? Uh, are you gonna have a virtual birthday party? I think so. I'm gonna have to make a couple FaceTime calls, a couple Zoom calls. Maybe we can do that thing that I've been seeing like on Twitter, Instagram, where they drive by the front of your house and you wave to them. Have you been seeing that? I, I've witnessed it. Yes. 
Really? Yeah, that's pretty fun. Maybe we can orchestrate something like that. Yeah, maybe we should. I've yeah. seen a bunch of those, like, for little kids where the police come up and drive by your house. Should we call the police for Jake and Tempe? Yeah, like fire to, fire truck going by. It'll be like a parade. It'll be awesome. Yeah, a little parade. Jake will be sitting on the curb. Yeah. That'd be nice. So anyway, Ryan, how are you, man? I am uh, surviving, barely. It's, it's not easy to be locked up in the house with your family all the time, as much as I love them. Enough is enough, boys. <laughs> I, God, I hope they didn't ever listen to this, but it'll come back to bite me. Uh, overall, it's been it's been solid. Working from home's easy enough. Uh, fortunately, as you guys know, golf courses are essential in Arizona, so gives me something to look forward to every week. And now I really have something to look forward to for a Zoom call from Jake for his 22nd birthday. Oh man, I got to hop on Amazon, do some shopping. Yeah, get NFLshop.com, get some Chiefs items for him. There I don't know. Well, now, now I have a new goal for the next week. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, Studio DD for Kent. I'm going to have to say mine's Studio Nerdery with all the books behind me, and that's what we call this room. So, Jake, by next week, I think you need to come up with the name for your apartment. I'll, I'll uh, brainstorm something. <laughs> other than that living the dream how about you kent oh man not a whole lot new um fasting update down another pound instacart update up another 1600 bucks outside of that not a whole lot new just trying to figure out what the new normal is going to be and uh that's the hardest thing you know it's just just the unknown nobody knows when we're going to snap out of this how we're going to snap out of this and what, you know, what, what society is going to be like afterwards. I mean, there's so many moving parts and so much unknown. It just, it, it drives me a little crazy. I try not to let it, but unfortunately it creeps in a little bit from uh, time to time, but uh, it's inevitable. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Other than that, that's about it. Uh, our safety apparel safety share for this week. Um, first of all, if you're in the market for, anything safety related, especially if you're in the market for, for safety vest in particular, uh, Safety Apparel definitely has the best safety vest on the planet. And you can check out their website at safetyapparel.us. This week's safety share is the seven practices of great safety leaders. So let me buzz through these really quick. We've identified seven practices that every leader needs to adopt to walk the walk when it comes to safety. First of all, have a vision. Leaders must have the ability to see what safety excellence looks like and a capability to articulate it through the organization. Collaboration, effective leaders work well with employees, promote cooperation and collaboration, actively seek input from people on issues that affect them, and encourage others to implement their decisions to improve safety. Credibility, does a leader generate a high level of trust with his or her employees? This requires a willingness to admit mistakes and advocate the safety interests of everyone from managers to the front line. Communication, huge one, safety leaders need to be talking about safety every time they speak. Everything they communicate must be within the context of safety. That sounds like that's going to the extreme, but 
Um, you know, these guys that are like the safety officers for these big companies, I mean, they live and breathe this stuff. Action orientation. Is the safety leader ready to tackle safety proactively, proactively rather than just react to incidents? God, let's hope so. Safety leaders need to show urgency, even in the absence of incidents, to show they're serious about achieving results. Feedback and recognition. Leaders need honest and accurate feedback on the effect of their behaviors to help them ensure consistency between their passion for people and the message employees receive based on their actions. And finally, this is huge, accountability. An effective leader gives workers a fair appraisal of their safety efforts and results, clearly communicates individual roles in the safety effort, and fosters the sense that every person is responsible for safety throughout the organization. All really good things to touch on. And if you are listening to this and you are a safety leader within your organization, um, Hopefully some of these things may strike a chord and it's stuff that you're thinking about on a regular basis. And I also believe it's work zone safety week as a matter of fact. So, um, you know, good, good time to be talking about this stuff. Let's get on to our guest. Our guest tonight is Zach Gooch, born and raised in North Alabama. Uh, Zach attended University of Alabama, Roll Tide. He enjoys woodworking, 3D printing, computer calculator programming, and tinkering. These are things we're gonna to have to circle back on. Of course, he's a huge Crimson Tide fan, has been working in the survey industry for just three years. This is gonna be a really good interview. I can't wait to get his perspective. As currently a party chief for Gustin, Catherine, and Tucker, better known as GCT in, uh, in Florida. So Zach, thanks for being here tonight. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Love yep. the show. Absolutely. We appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. Um, tell us about your experience. I mean, I am so jealous. I've never been to an SEC football game. It's definitely on my bucket list. You having gone to the University of Alabama. Tell me about that experience. Top of the world, man. You just, you can't beat that. It's, I, I actually transferred in there and uh, actually Nick Saban's first semester of his football season and I graduated December 12th 2009 so I was there for his first title he won wow. and because I graduated I went out to Pasadena and I, I got to see the national championship it was just it was unreal wow. you know just oh god just following them for like three years watching it build up and then then it delivers just like this is this was the greatest i know i know they've won more titles but nothing will ever beat that 09 game for me yeah just that was my senior year i was there i was there his whole you know from the beginning until i graduated i loved it yeah that's so cool man great time i'm hoping that at some point in my life i have an opportunity to had that direction for any SEC football game, just because I hear the atmosphere that surrounds those things is unbelievable. Man, I mean, I know they everybody like screams and hollers about all these rivalries, but a lot of times at the after the game's over, everybody hangs out and drinks beers together. You know, it's game's over. Let's have fun now. I like it. Yep. It's like it's real time. fun. Maybe maybe we'll see you out there someday. You never know. I hope so. You're welcome to come down. Hey, careful what you wish for. You're going to have shoots uh, 
curled up next to you in bed one of these nights. You never know. I, I have been known to do that once or twice in my life. Uh, SEC football sounds fantastic. We can go to a game for that. But when ASU gets into a national championship game, <laughs> Jake and I will definitely be there. I don't blame you. That's a big if, but I suppose. Well, Herm Edwards, he's, you know, uh, Nick Saban 2.0. Uh, I suppose there's a possibility of that happening for sure. All right. Let's talk about the important stuff or maybe the less important stuff. However you want to look at it. Uh, you've only been surveying for about three years and it's my understanding that uh, you were an archeologist for about nine years, which I find very interesting. I, whenever I see archeologists on TV and stuff like that, I'm always like, Oh my God, I think that would be the coolest job. I, mean, I have no idea what a job like that pays, but how did you go from being an archeologist to a surveyor well it um a lot of what you do as an archaeologist from unless you go and get a higher degree like you go into a master like my girlfriend's getting her phd it's, it's actually an anthropology and archaeology is a subdiscipline of that like i remember hearing um the land surveyors united uh justin one yeah that's right. Yeah. He said he was getting his doctorate in, mm-hmm. in anthropology. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. But, but um, a lot of what you do is you're kind of a subcontractor and you go job to job or sometimes you find a company and you kind of keep with them for a while. But a lot of times it's, it's travel. Mm-hmm. It's all travel every week. And after so long of that time, you know, the travel just, you just burn out on it. It's like, mm-hmm. ugh. You just live out of a hotel. And that kind of, I don't know, after so long, that just kind of wore down on me. And I was just ready to stop traveling. Mm-hmm. Go home to the own, own bed every night, you know? Yeah. Um. What's the, what's, what's your coolest archaeologist story? What's like the coolest thing you ever found? I figured you would ask something like that. Uh, (laughs) Actually, um, after 2012, we did this project where we camped for like a year. We had to stay on site and we all camped. And I had an opportunity to come work in New Mexico for the, university uh unm they have a contract archaeology department and they do uh there was a pipeline going through i think maple was a maple i don't know i don't know what that means to anybody really that was just what they called it and you don't really get an opportunity to work outside your region because of like local groups people know people you know that's how you get into jobs and like I couldn't go work in California or New York, really. It's you've got a small local group and region because that's where you study. And I had an opportunity to go work at the university in New Mexico for almost a year for that pipeline. And I always wanted to see the Southwest. So I took it and I went out and I'd say the coolest thing we found were they had excavated some, Sorry, there's a car driving by. There was um, some house, like the footers of some house structures we had found, and we were excavating around to see if they were cultural material 
course there's cultural material in there, but I think that's some of the coolest stuff. It's like people lived in this, you know, it's a, it's a house. Here's the remnants of it. Wow. And I don't know. I just, that was some of the coolest things. I, and some of the pottery they had like that we were recovering from those houses were like, it's several hundreds of years old. And I mean, it looks like the stuff people are still making today because it's so dry out there. It's, it's just crazy. The Southeast, the, it's so wet and the soil's acidic here that a lot of times things don't preserve the best. And that's kind of why I wanted to go to the Southwest just to see it because they say everything preserves really well out there and it does and it's it's insane but i'd definitely say those houses or the it's not really the footer of a house but basically the footer of houses right. that was that was some of the coolest stuff i saw so you, you probably kind of have a lot of those same feelings when you're like looking for an old section corner and you're you know you find it after piecing all the you know all the pieces of the puzzle together in order to to locate it um it's kind of a little bit about like uh, archaeology, right? It's still history because yeah. I, I double majored um, in anthro and history. Mm. So I love the history part of it. Like that's some of the coolest things I think is like looking at the history of this. And I love finding the lighter knot section corners or you know, old, old stone monuments that are obviously old, not just they set this in the eighties old, but like, you know, 1900s old. Oh yeah. The original monuments. Exactly. I love it. It's yep. cool. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, so you've only been in the survey world for about three years. Have you been working with the same company the whole time or what was your, what was your first actual uh, introduction to surveying? Actually, I have worked at this same company the whole time. Nice. Um, in archaeology, they had kind of used some of we use total stations sometimes, like when they grid out sites. Mm -hmm. And in New Mexico, we had actually used like levels, um, just because another crew had came through with GPS and established control based off what the university had laid out, and we'd come back with levels off that. So to be honest that was my favorite part was always like getting to use the equipment and archaeology it turns out i liked mapping a lot more than i liked archaeology yeah. I, I just loved the equipment yeah and yeah we've um that's kind of what got me into here that's great that's great so um who i mean again having only been doing it for three years tell us a little bit about you know the guys that are kind of mentoring you i mean it's so important that in order to be ultimately well-rounded and successful uh, in this career, you've got to have good mentors. Tell us about mm -hmm. you. Well, like I have a the guy that I, I pretty much worked with the same party chief for two and a half or so years. Um, he actually had to have surgery and I kind of I filled in a little bit here and there for him. You know, if he would take a day off just to, get me some experience and I knew I'd be on kind of the same page as what he was teaching me. Um, that's who really taught me a lot. And now 
I've kind of gotten lucky is that he's moved in into the office and he's basically my project manager. So I'm still dealing with the same guy. You know, we worked for a couple of years that we really got our communication between each other down really well. So, um, you know, I mean, we're doing, we're doing a bridge and I'm lucky that I still get, if, you know, if I want to double check some numbers on some plans, you know, I, I was out there today and I was like, Hey, I kind of came up with this stuff. Would you mind running these numbers with me just to double check over? I mean, it's bridge, like kind of like to double check this and he's hundred percent hands down, always stops what he's doing, helps me out, you know, just makes me feel good. If I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I just want to double check over these. There's the details on this plan are a little confusing. I'd just like to hear you got the same thing as I got on this or yeah. Yeah. Good, good people. Especially on a bridge, right? God. Like, uh, yeah. High accuracy stuff. I mean, you get through a bridge unscathed. Uh, you've done something very well. That's for sure. Um, what, what are, what are like, what are the biggest challenges you see for, I mean, for you personally? I mean, what, what, um, has there been any roadblocks? I mean, I, I again, only been doing this for three years. I mean, where, what, what do you see as being, uh, any, any struggles you've encountered? All right. Um, there's sometimes like, cause other than that, I do a lot of mortgage day to day like in between those, mm -hmm. um, not always just lot and block. Uh, sometimes the boundary, like I've started getting some more of like, um, aliquot parts, things like that. And sometimes those, those can get kind of confusing for me. Um, just, you, you just got to figure that out. It's not just a standard way. You know, it's like I can't just pull out a plat and be like, I'll just come over 50 feet from there. It's fine. Yeah. Um, some of those, I would say, is there's some times where I know I know what I need to do on there, but I don't exactly know how to do it in the collector. And if I could solve it like on my own, I can enter that into the collector and make it right. It's just like, I guess, specific program functions of the, mm -hmm. I guess, software itself that maybe here and there I might not, maybe I do something weird one day and it's like, Oh, if I could do this, that would solve it. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'd, I'd say I've, I've been trying to learn more of like the, the, uh, theory behind I guess the math the collector does for us and trying to learn that on my own so that's yeah that's been a little bit of a challenge yeah I mean serving is one of those things that um, you know there's only so much you can learn in the classroom and other than that I mean you gotta you just gotta do it you know and you gotta hope that you have good mentors to uh, help you out along the way and um, you know as I'm sure you've experienced already just you can't be afraid to ask questions that's for sure right definitely yeah but um, as as you were saying you went to new mexico as an archaeologist mm -hmm. um did you 
start that surveying passion there with the University of New Mexico? Because I know they're one of those few programs that are left and thriving. Um, and second part of that question, uh, how did you decide that surveying is what it's going to be and how can you as a surveyor or Kent or us as the geoholics maybe promote the profession in a different way, especially with people that have no idea what a land surveyor does. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Good one. Good question. <laughs> All right. Um, it wasn't in New Mexico that I realized that I kind of, I liked doing that. I had, um, it was actually the first, um, I guess, the first project I really got on my own. I did some work through school with a company that was local in Tuscaloosa. And the first project I really got after, because that was, they were still feeling the effects of that um, 08 crash that everybody went through. So jobs were kind of difficult to come across if you weren't already in something. They already had the people they liked, you know, and they're not looking to bring in new people. And um, I got on this one project and it was on a, a military base. And this guy was out measuring. We had two by two meter grids. They used meters and he had a total station set up and he was just shooting in all the, you know, the unit corners. And I was like, wow, that's cool. You know how to use that? He's like, yeah, I used to work for a surveyor. It's like, huh, that sounds fun. I wish somebody would teach me how to use that thing. And, um, you know, and it was, I'd never really thought about surveying. Like, it, it wasn't promoted. Um, and I, I just thought it was really cool. And as time went on, like, we would lay out site grids and use totally and I was pretty much a rodman like we did some mapping of some uh, native mounds and I was like man this is the coolest thing ever I want to make maps like this but it never just occurred that hey, I should go do this um that's that's really how I kind of got interested in it um I guess another way was I'd had this idea where if we took um a lot of times they describe they'll call them arrowheads, but you know they're more like the majority of times like spear points and knives that people have made out of you know cherts and flints and obsidians, and they gave these kind of topographic features to them they call it like the flake scars where they you know physically make the the notches out um they call them like ridges and valleys and at that time i was like you know it'd be really cool if somehow you could scan these things and make like basically a topographic map of the art the artifact itself um, of course that was, that was in 2012 and people had just started using LIDAR for, uh, scanning like pyramids down in the Yucatan, Mexico. It's, 
I know LIDAR wasn't new then, but people were starting to apply it to archaeology for that. And that seemed like a really cool path to go. It just, technology wasn't there yet, you know, uh, where you could, now you can buy desktop scanners to like scan your car keys kind of thing. It's, it's common, but back then it wasn't. And I just thought it, it kind of started my head rolling that way and thinking about, you know, topography and it'd be really cool. So that's really where I kind of started thinking about like land surveying. It's like I could learn more about this kind of stuff, but you know, how do you learn stuff if you're not working on that thing and you don't know anything about it yet? Right. Um, how, how about your current company? Are you guys utilizing scanners and uh, drones and UAVs, those different technologies? Um, we do have a 3D scanner. Um, based off where we're at, uh, there's a lot of military bases around and a lot of airports around. We are not using drones. We've looked into it, and we're not look we're not really doing it because we'd have to get clearance from like three military bases and two airports all to do a job. So it's it's not something that's just taken off for us yet. Right. Uh, we do have a guy like my my old party chief. He got his class one hundred seven license because he we were looking into it and you know we still may pursue it it's just it's not really on the table right now just because of all the restrictions it's like you can't how can you bid a job if i'm waiting on five different you know uh confirmations that we're good to fly that day mm-hmm. can confirm that is that is uh, a struggle that is fun to deal with but if you guys really need something you just call ryan at the geoholics and uh I'll see what I can do for you. All right. I appreciate that. I'll tell him. <laughs> well, we're good. We're good. Pull, pull the trigger on that drone boss. We're good now. <laughs> well, and the, like you, you were saying that New Mexico wasn't really part of it. I guess, what are your thoughts on educational requirements? I know they're different in every state. Um, you could probably help us out more than we know about Alabama and Florida specifically. Um, beyond the obvious answer that we always come up with of good mentoring. How do we, how do we get quality people into this profession? Well, I, I think it's exposure, honestly. Yeah. I've, I've listened to, you know, everybody always has, is it a trade? Is it profession? I'm like, I mean, it's kind of both in my opinion. It's, it's what you want it to be. You, you want to just make it a trade. You never want to learn anything more or move forward. Then, yeah, it's a trade. It, you, sky's the limit for you, pretty much, I think. Um, and, you know, I've looked back at, like, uh, I've looked at Florida's requirements for taking the FS exam if you have a degree I only need 25 credit hours to mm. be able to test for the FS exam, which I'm nowhere ready for that yet, but you know, it's, it's an option. And given the kind of stuff on there, like 
I don't know, you go into all the coordinate systems, you get into GPS and you go down that rabbit hole. I honestly don't see how you could not need some kind of schooling and education on that to really understand it. Um, granted, you know, if you've done this for 30 years and you can pass this test, I mean, you know, okay, good. But for me, I would need some, I'd need a little more than just, you know, passing. Like I'd, I'd, I'd need some guidance on that. Yeah, no, no question. What, so what do you think it's a, it's like a 50, 50 mix. Like there should be two years of education required and six years of experience or and what, what, what do you think is the best case scenario? I mean, I don't, we've, we've made this argument at work a lot of times before and I can't really say that like four straight years mm. is what should be required, but I also can't say that no amount of years should be required. I, at very last, uh, you know, two years, kind of some kind of advancement program. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I asked my boss about this one day and he was like, what if this guy that has no education just shows up and because he's been here that long, like happens to pass this test mm -hmm. for some whatever reason? You know, and like, then he ends up doing like low quality work. Like, is that, mm -hmm. is that fair to everyone else? I'm like, yep. yeah, okay. I see your point. I mean. <sighs> would, would you be in favor of like a, a national requirement? Whether it be like, you know, two years education and four years experience before you can take the first part of the exam or whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on something like that? I think that would be okay because it would kind of get people in the door a little bit quicker. And what that would only be an L you wouldn't be a licensed surveyor at that point. You would just, you know, you've at least put forth something extra to kind of push forward towards, I don't know, like a good standard. And you know, maybe after that, you, you do those two years and you, you know, get, you get your four years experience, five years experience, whatever. Then maybe you do another year or two. I'm, I don't know. It's everybody's kind of, it's, it's all a different opinion. And yeah, I think you should have something. I don't know if it's, I think it should be lowered initially so you can advance maybe not advance faster but to give people more incentive faster you know like in two years you could be working towards this and then then you get your experience and maybe you do a little more work and do a little more it kind of like continuing education you mm -hmm. still got to do that like i don't know that's just kind of i am not a surveyor by any means that's not my trade um you know, with the certified photogrammetrist, that's, you have to have like seven years of experience for that, but you can get the certified photogrammetric technologist after three years. So it's kind of that, 
carrot that's dangling out there to get there. Uh, as far as the survey world, from what I understand, again, not my natural uh, career path, but what, what is it with the CST exams and, and CST one through four? Uh, Kent or Zach, please explain that further. Is that kind of what you're saying of you're working towards that to get to your LS? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a, a bit of a modeled up process. Um, I'm a huge proponent of the CST exams for anybody who's on the path to become licensed eventually. Um, I think those are, you know, rock solid stepping stones to get to that point. You know, just after, I think it's like a year, year and a half. Um, you know, you can take the CST one and then two and three and so on. And by the time you get to that point, you know, you're on your way to being almost prepared probably, if not already prepared to, you know, take the LSIT exam. And, uh, you know, that really kind of springboards you um, as far as licensure goes after that. Is it your uh, aspirations act to be licensed then? I mean, you see this being a, uh, a, a, a career path for you? Well, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, well, I'm 37. Um, I seem, I've ran a crew for about a year now. And, uh, with those requirements from the state of only being, you know, 25 more credit hours, that's, I could do one class a semester, you know, for a couple of, a while and just kind of work one along as I go. And I, I do think that's a, a it, it's a good option for me at this point. Um, I like it. I don't know how I feel about being inside all day. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking into schools to see, you know, cause I'd need full online realistically. Um, but I, I know you guys advertise Parkland. I don't, they've got those labs right now still. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of, I was going to talk to them and see kind of what, I, I was going to look around. I saw Land Surveyors United had, uh, they had a lot of colleges listed. I was going to just look, that was, that's a really good website actually though. Yeah. Just look through that the other day. Yeah. Shameless um, plug, don't get used to it. Right? Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> No, I, um, it is an option. I like it. I did, I did take that CST one. Hmm. Uh, I was kind of working towards, you know, looking at the second one. Seems quite different than the first, but you, I figured it might give me kind of a, like you were saying, like a stepping stone up towards working towards a greater end goal. Um, yeah. yeah. For sure. And it allows you to, you know, start, you know, accumulating some credentials, you know, on your mm -hmm. way, on your path to licensure. So um, that's great. I'm curious. So you mentioned Land Surveyors United. Um, like you said, unbelievable website, such an incredible resource. Um, we've talked with Justin about doing like a virtual mentoring type program and you being pretty new in the profession. I'm just curious if you would be open to participating in something like that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Um, oh, what did I, it, it's, what was, uh, I think it was the, the episode 32 the other day, you guys, um, 
the the lady was talking about like it's good to have mentors just in that was that was the other day right that wasn't Melissa the other day yes Melissa that's that's what that was yeah I listened to that on well it's a couple of days ago now I burned through them pretty quick when they come out um yeah that would be something interesting and she talked about that and I I really like that it's you know, sometimes it's good to just hear a different perspective from a different place. And that seemed like that was really good. Not that I don't get good perspectives and opinions and mentoring where I'm at. It's just sometimes it's maybe somebody's doing something completely different and you might could take that and apply it to something you're doing. Absolutely. That that sounds like a really good idea. Yeah, and you've probably seen already there's, uh, you know, a dozen ways to skin a cat. Everybody has different ideas uh, to arrive at the same answer. Um, it, it's pretty interesting. So what, what do you think it takes from your perspective to be a good land surveyor? Mm, a lot of judgment. A lot of ethics. Yep. Um, you got it sometimes it seems like there are times when you got to know when to hold things and when to throw it out and it's all based off what's there you know it's like do I, do I reset this I don't want to pen cushion this over a you know half a tenth that's that's stupid it, but it's it's a whole lot of experience. It seems like it takes to be an overall good land surveyor, and you kind of need not just one perspective. You don't need just a field perspective. You need like a CAD perspective. You need like a job bidding perspective. You got to run, organize, not run crews, but like, like project manager, organized crews kind of perspective. You need all of those perspectives really to kind of be well-rounded, I think. You you got to do a lot of different jobs to what I think be, you know, well-rounded and a general good land surveyor. Yeah. It's, a, it's a live and learn profession, that's for sure. Um, so I'm just curious, when somebody asks you what you do, what do you tell them? I tell them I'm a land surveyor. And they say, can you plant some bushes around my house? And generally the people that ask are like, they ask, um, they're coming up on the site where we're using the equipment. So they have somewhat of an idea instead of, you know, just like, um, was it? I saw posted online the other day, somebody came in a, it was on Reddit and it was in the, the survey community and somebody popped in asking like survey question. And this guy was like, nah, you're in the wrong spot, man. This is for land surveying, not like questionnaires. <laughs> it is. I don't get a lot of that, but yeah. Um, it seems like here, I don't know, private properties, like pretty big deal. And if people have a general idea, like somebody's granddad or somebody was a surveyor back in the day, yeah. but 
they more or less have an idea. Yeah. But we definitely could promote it a little more, I think. Yeah, you brought up a good point there. When you're out in the field like that, the uh, the landowners, whether it be the one you're working for, the adjoiner, whatever, those are some of your best resources, you know? I mean, never hesitate to talk to them. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they can point you to at least where they think their property corner is. Yeah. And, uh, it could save you uh, a ton of time by just having that simple conversation. Oh yeah, definitely. I've had a few that I know right where it is. And then you go, okay, sure you do. Yeah. And then you go check it and it's like, okay, you know, that's all right. That's that checks. I guess you appreciate the help there, man. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. It never hurts to ask, right? It never does. I mean, even as long as I've been doing this, I mean, I ask questions all the time. It's just like one of those things that, you know, you know, people say if you're not learning, you're dying. And when it comes to surveying, it's it definitely uh, definitely applies. No doubt. Um, so what's next for you? I mean, I know you talked about taking the CST one. You got plans to take CST two. Um, what? Uh, tell us what you're excited about. Yeah, I'm. Um, I am looking into. I, I downloaded a bunch of the study materials for that and, and you know, I'm just working my way back cause there's some things I don't know about, um, like traverse by coordinates and things like that is talking about like latitudes and departures that I don't necessarily know how to work everything out by hand yet. And I've been kind of looking back at that math. Um, I actually found a new uh, 35 program. Um, okay, plane went away. Sorry about that noise. Flight path. <laughs> um, I felt, uh, or I found a, a HP 35. It was on, a, I think it's an Australian site. It's called like mygeodesy.something.au or something. And it had a, a lot of program it i know we we have easy kogo at work that we can program in our 35s but this one had uh it had like uh coordinate system adjustments um it had like uh traverse misclosures and things it, it solves all i was like wow so i've been kind of looking at how that works by hand a little more than just having a calculator to figure it out. But I did program that up because I mean, that's useful stuff, you know, um, it does, it does coordinate like rectangular to polar. Uh, what all did that do? Uh, it, so you mentioned, you mentioned in your bio that you, and I think this goes along with the direction we're headed here. Um, you kind of have this weird passion for, um, for calculators and programming them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've done That's a couple a of those. Uh, <laughs> oh man, once you start, like it's it's kind of relaxing. It's it's just repetitive, you know, just line after line, you just zone in and there you go. It's I can see why people like computer coding. It's just but my party chief told me one time 
we were doing level loop. It was on an elevation cert, and he gave me the 35, and he was like, here, you do these numbers. And I was like, okay. Why doesn't this calculator work? It's broken. He's like, yeah, it's it's RPN. I'm like, I don't know what that means. What? And I couldn't use that thing. And he's like, once you figure it out, you cannot go back. I was like, oh, okay, buddy. We'll see. Um, and now, like, I, I've programmed a couple of those. I did mine. And then I did one for a guy I worked with that tested for his LSIT. And he used it on the test, and he passed. So I feel like I did it right. Um, I gave him a heads up first, and I was like, "Hey, man, just you know, you should check through these programs. Just double double check that I've coded everything right before you go in there to this FS exam and sit down with this." But he did, and he passed. So it's um, yeah. Now I can't go back from that calculator. Like I'm. Yeah. Even just the RPN, I can't, like, I'll take my phone. I forgot my calculator today. Yeah. And, and I had to do some, and I had to pull my phone out, and I was like, oh, oh, this is awful. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember. Yep. Yeah. Once you get used to something like that, it is it is hard to go back for sure. I'm going to, I'm actually going to put you in touch. There's a gentleman named Jack Kessler that's uh, from Arizona originally. And this, I mean, he's, he's been, you know, surveying God only knows how many years and he's retired, of course, but his passion of is, uh, um, programming calculators. And really, yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I've got so much information I'm going to share with you and Jack is going to be your new best friend. Not, man, I would love that. That would be, that'd be great. I, I've got two of them right now that I keep with me and one's got the easy Kogo and the other's got all the like misclosures. Who says you can't have two? Why not have three? Who cares? Have four. Nobody, there's no rules. Do what you want. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I'm impressed that, you know, you have an interest in knowing the math behind what you're doing. You're not just out there pushing buttons, setting points, whatever, you know, you, uh, you, you're, you're questioning it. And, and that, that's a really, really good thing. Yeah, my whole, I mean, I guess my thought on it is like, I can't take the collector in if I go do a test. I can take a 35. That's the most I can do. And then, and then I even thought from there, it was like, I've, I, I had my programmed one. Both the batteries died and I lost all of the program. And I was like, what if that happens in a test, man? Like, I need to have some kind of idea to, continue solving these problems. I can't, I can't just be like, Hey, Hey, can I get a rain check? My, my calculator died. All my batteries fell out and I lost my programs. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. It was like tough luck, man. Figure it out. Yeah. That's kind of why I wanted to, I don't know. It's a challenge. Like I, I never learned math and you know, I was a kid in high school. Why do I need this? What are we ever going to use this for? Right. Nah. Cool. It's a profession now. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had to listen. I'm just yeah, trying right. to learn back some of that. Yep. Good for you. That's great. I'm curious. So like when I talk to surveyors in other states, you know, everybody has different, different challenges, whether it be weather, 
you know, wildlife, what have you. And, you know, here in Arizona, of course, it's the heat and it's rattlesnakes and it's Gila monsters, this and that. What are some of the things that you have to deal with on a regular basis? Y'all got Gila monsters out there? Oh my God. Okay. Um, Is Arizona. I I did not know they were in Arizona. Yeah. Surprise. Good luck. Um, We get swamps. Um, You know, it does deal with heat. You deal with, I worry, I worry more about like careless people being on the road realistically um, than I do a lot of the nature kind of, I mean, we got snakes out here. There's snakes, but if you make enough noise, those snakes go away. They don't like you. They, they want to go away from you other than the cotton mouth, I guess. But in general, it seems like the wildlife wants to leave you alone. The weather's the weather. There's swamps, but you'll dry out. It's fine. I, I worry more about the people on the sides of the roads driving there staring at their phones than I do the wildlife here. Yeah. Uh, people are not very safe, realistically, and it's, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's one of the most dangerous jobs, and people are more distracted than ever. Um, are you guys running uh, one-man or two-man crews? We got a two-man crew right now. Uh, sometimes we've got um, – a lot of times we have three-mans, but I, I have two. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a guy that's, that's running the collector, you know. Um, he, he hasn't been there that long. He's actually just – He's crushing it. He's learning like line generation codes. He's reading plats and plans. He's reading the bridge plans now and asking questions. I'm like, dude, you're killing it. So, um, we have two. And I think that's honestly like the minimum you need for safety if you're out anywhere. Yeah. I I know people, they make the argument. It's like, oh, we run one man crews. Like, what if something happens to you out there? Like, who? Who's going to call anybody if you're just by yourself? Like, yeah. What if, what if you get stung by bees? Like, what if you get in, I'm allergic to bees. What if I got in a bee's nest and like 40 bees stung me? I'm, I'm in trouble. I need somebody to call somebody at that point. Yeah. Yeah. All good points. All good points. Well, okay. So fortunately slash unfortunately, we're on this uh, Zoom COVID-19 deal and we all get to see you. So I see the beard, I see the long hair, all that good stuff with the surveying career, Alabama to Florida. If you had an autobiography of your life, I know you're only 37, so we can kind of go into the future a little bit. What would you uh, call your autobiography? And bonus of that, who would play you in the movie? Ooh, I would probably say something like given the path. It's been a wild ride. Something similar to that. As far as a movie, who would play me? I don't know. I guess it really goes into personality types. Um, I don't know. I've never really related myself to a, a movie actor where I'm like, hey, that's like me. 
If I say um, like Matthew McConaughey, is that offensive because he's a Texas guy? I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's so funny. <laughs> that would be epic. Sometimes I got to lie. But, so I guess we got to change the autobiography. Not title. offensive all at right, all. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> got to get off them pizza cutters, man. <laughs> well, and then, I mean, I'm not, you, you've said referenced it a couple times with this. You're a fan, so you know this one's coming. Uh, what what motivates you in your career and your life, and what's the mantra? Well. Honestly, my party chief gave me some ideas. I, I, I knew that was coming, and my party chief, I started taking these bigger and bigger jobs, um, and I started to get overwhelmed of all I have to draw on them. You know, it's like, God, oh, there's concrete over there. Oh, God, there's pipes over there. I need to locate. And I'd tell him, I was like, man, look, this, this gets overwhelming. How do I get out there and, like, just – pick a spot and go you know like it's i see every bit of it and I'm like oh god i get overwhelmed it's like just take small projects you know just break it down one thing at a time and move forward you know focus on this and finish that and then move to this and then finish that don't don't get so overwhelmed in the overall picture that you can't focus on breaking it down and accomplishing things and i honestly really like that advice and kind of you can apply that outside of work too you know you just don't get so overwhelmed that you can't focus on something and zoom in and get it done and then move on to the next thing and then by the time you know it you're done with the whole project i really like that so some good advice right there kind of that one step at a time yeah i love it Thanks to Chris for that. Now, beyond all this uh, survey and uh, geomatics, whatever we want to call this whole thing fun, going back to the beginning, being an Alabama fan. Right. A couple of questions. You're from okay. Alabama. You're in Florida. You have a professional <laughs> yes, football team. That, who's that going to be? See, like where I grew up, I lived, I grew up, three, three and a half hours from Atlanta. And oh, when boy. I was growing up, there was no Tennessee Titans um, until I was, like, out of high school. So it was pretty much either, like, Atlanta or New Orleans or, like, Miami or, you know, Tampa Bay. Kind of, If you're talking football, I guess. I don't – I know you guys love baseball. I don't – if it's baseball, I'd have, probably have to say the Atlanta Braves just because that's oh. what we grew up watching. I, they're next door, man. They're next door. <laughs> I know. I know. No we don't – I don't really follow baseball, so, like, I wouldn't say that's my team, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's, like – there's no pro teams in Alabama. So, we never grew up having, like, a pro team. Like, it's – it's if it's Alabama or Auburn if you're in Alabama and there's like the fringe you know I like Tennessee and I like Georgia and I like you know whatever um is you're just not exposed to the pro level sports there cuz I, I I just don't I don't understand why Birmingham or like one of the bigger cities that they have do not have one team but we never did so 
pro teams. I just so you go with the Falcons. I like Julio Jones of the Falcons. That is it. Well, now you're in Florida, and so you right. have to hate Tom Brady. That whole twenty-eight to three Super Bowl had to sting. And I got now, no horse in the race down on there, that. We didn't talk about this at the beginning of the episode. That was the big news of the day. I really got no horse in the race on that. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but I just I never could get into pro. Yeah. I know a lot of people love it, and like I'm, I've never been to a pro game. I'm sure that would probably change my perspective a little bit, but. I've just well, I've never been to any pro game. You you attended one of the biggest college football dynasty type programs. I mean, geez, once you once you experience that, it's probably hard to uh, hard to top it. I'm sure. Well, I mean, it it wasn't a dynasty when <laughs> I transferred in there. It was coming off like the Mike Shula years where we were rebuilding, and the first year Saban was there, we went like seven and six with a bowl win in the I believe it was the Music City Bowl versus Colorado or like it's a bad thing. That's every year out here. (laughs) It it just it's not it didn't start out like where he's at now. It was it was there was some a lot of years after Gene Stallings that it was not a great great day to be an Alabama fan as far as wins went. And, you know, there's people alive now that are in college there that have never – well, I guess there's people alive that have never not, like, known that now. And that's kind of – it's like, man, y'all didn't – y'all weren't there for these, like, horrible years where we didn't – we weren't always, the, you know, doing good. There were some bad years for a, a lot of years that – Y'all don't know anything about you. Just you're there for the glory train right now. But yeah. it was fun. It's been a fun. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I mean, I think uh, I think we've covered a lot here with you. Uh, is there anything we haven't brought up that uh, you want to make sure you had an opportunity to talk about or mention? Um, if it's okay, I would like to, you know, plug that book. You give that a shout out. Um, the um, I, I heard on, you know, uh, it was Jim Cohn. Mm-hmm. The, he, he's the director of NSPS, right? Of Washington. The In Washington. Branch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I, they called, like, I saw every state kind of called their group, like, something a little bit different. I didn't want to say it wrong. Yeah. But I saw he was... I got into, he's working on that book that he said he funded all by himself. Um, he sent me a table of contents of that and it's, it's worth like 10 textbooks. Cause you know, once you get that whole list of the information and the topics he covers, you could buy 10 textbooks and not have the information of one of that book. And I just, you know, I'd like to give him a shout out. I'm definitely buying a copy of that book. And he's he's kind of put a lot of his own time into that just to mm-hmm. pass on some knowledge of like doing the math by hand. These are how you calc these things based off, you know, hand. You don't have a calculator. Here you go. This is how you do this yeah. on the hood of your truck. 
And I think uh, that book's going to, I'm definitely getting a copy of it. And I've told a few people at work about it. And they're like, man, I'd buy a copy of that. I'm like, well, good for you. We should. We need to pass that kind of knowledge on because it's, it's dying out. <sighs> people need to know that. And the more you know about those kind of things, mm-hmm. it, the better you can solve day-to-day problems if you don't know how to specifically do something in a collector you know you can oh i don't know what this interior angle is that i need to turn like oh well i could solve this polygon right here and there's there's my angle turn that there you go it's solved i just i really like that he's doing that um just wanted to maybe help promote it and maybe he could sell a couple more copies maybe a few more people do some stuff like that and kind of pass that on forward to people that don't always have access to that immediate knowledge you know you've done this for 40 years cool but write a book about it man i'll buy it yeah definitely yeah i know jim jim cohen's uh he's a great guy he has a wealth of knowledge and you covered it really well right there there's very few people that you know have that library of knowledge like like jim does the fact that he's willing to share it and you know put it in uh in text that other people can can learn from and, and appreciate that's uh that's huge you know that's there's like i say there's there's not too many resources out there like jim so uh i'm sure he's gonna be happy to hear you say that and once this book does get published we'll definitely be sure to get him on and make sure we do a uh give it its due as far as nice Nice. All right. Well, that's about it. You guys got anything else? Big shoots. You got anything else you want to add? We said it all, boys. Yeah, I, I I agree. Producer Jake, you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. I think we covered it. That was really good. Yep. Yep. Really solid episode. Zach, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely do it again sometime and uh, leave that spot in your bed for shoots when he comes down there. <laughs> As long as I get to go to an Alabama game, I'm in. <laughs> Come on. It's five hours away, but we'll make it. <sighs> Never mind. <laughs> five hours. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. Oh, man. Can I give my uh, final shape, safety share before we call this a, an episode here? Yeah, please do. Stay home. I want this thing Stay to home. go away. I want to leave my house again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you got that new bike for man just get out I'm, I'm using it as much as i can my legs are exhausted <laughs> oh that's great all right well thanks again zach appreciate it and uh everybody remember to check us out at thegeaholics.com and follow us on facebook twitter instagram linkedin all those social media outlets you got plenty of time so check us out uh, and of course, you can download our podcast from Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. I cannot forget, Geoholics has an app. You can find that at landsurveyorsunited.com. Everything Geoholics in one spot. It is awesome. If you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming show, email us at info at thegeoholics.com and you can also hit us up there if you want to be a friend of the program. All that being said, Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers taking us out with Crumb. Their music is available on Spotify and Apple Music. Check out their videos on YouTube and 
check out their website, carolpastingthehoneyshakers.com. They got a bunch of really cool swag. You can buy their music, t-shirts, stickers, whatever. Like I mentioned earlier, please do what you can to support your local musicians and small businesses. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and healthy. Thanks again to our friends of the program. Please be sure to check out Land Surveyors United at landsurveyorsunited.com, Unifly at unifly.arrow, Bad Elf at bad-elf.com, and Parkland College at parkland.edu forward slash surveying.